Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Good morning, One Life Church. It's so good to see you. Anybody excited to be at church today? I'm like with Nick, I got like four people. I mean, is anybody excited to be at church today, everybody? Come on. Woo, I don't know about you, but it's been a long week for a brother right here. I'm just tired, man. Can I just be honest with you? I'm just being very transparent and vulnerable to you today. Like the bed felt really, like the bed felt really good this morning. Anybody else in the house? But I am just so thankful that I got out of bed. Why? Because I get to hang out with you. And I'm, I'll tell you what, I am feeling so much more encouraged, so much more uplifted. Why? Not because our incredible worship team is so amazing. Aren't you thankful for our worship team, everybody? We got a few people who are thankful for the worship here. But man, I'm just thankful that we get to spend time together because there's something that happens when you get together as a family of God. And I'm very excited today. I'm bringing you a message. We're starting a new series today. We are calling What's Next? But before we jump into this message, I just want to remind you, everybody, we're a note-taking church. Do you know what that means? It means we like to take some notes. So could I encourage you to pull out your smartphone, your digital device, whatever you walked in here with, go to olc.church, swipe down, click the button that says message notes and get ready to follow along today because I believe that what I'm going to share with you today from God's words has the power to change your life. But before we jump into the message, you guys, did you know what happened last weekend? Everybody, last weekend was what? It was, it was Easter. Everybody enjoy your ham. Anybody enjoy hunting, you know, I almost said chicken eggs. I'm tired, right? They're not chicken eggs. They're Easter eggs, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we had a lot of fun last week. We got together and we celebrated not only the death and the burial, but the resurrection of our one and only Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior of the world, and we had a party. Some of y'all got a little hangover from the party last week. It was good. We had a good time. In fact, I want to share with you, but before I do, don't put anything on the screen yet. I want to share with you the miracle that God did in and through each and every one of you who call One Life Church home. In fact, I want to start by saying thank you so much for taking the time to invite your family, to invite your friends along to the Easter celebration that we had. Many people ask me when I start talking about what I'm about to share with you, because I'm about to share with you some numbers and I have people ask me all the time, Red, you're just that church, man. You're just all about the numbers. And I'm like, yeah, I am, unapologetically. I'm absolutely all about the numbers. Why? Because every number has a name. Every name has a story. And every story matters to God. And because they matter to God, guess what? They matter to us. They matter to me. In fact, if you're married and have kids in this room, and let's say you got three kids and somebody asks you how many kids you've got, you're like, ah, two and a half, I don't know, one. How many kids, babe? How many kids do we have? Oh, yeah, we got three. No, you know how many kids you have when what? When people ask you why? Because you care about your kids. You should, at least. <laughs> and so God cares about his kids. In fact, there's so many scriptures throughout the New Testament where Jesus told stories about how God loves stewardship and accountability. In fact, one of the most famous ones you've probably heard is what? Jesus left the 99 to do what? To go after the what? The one. He told the story about the lost sheep, right? Well, how would the shepherd know to go after the one if he didn't do a count to count? Okay, 98, 99, and where's my hunt? Where's the one that was missing, right? So counting 
understanding numbers, being, I'm just telling you, God, you manage well what God brings you, he'll bring you more. That's a whole nother message, and it's amazing. You can apply that to your life. But that's not what this message is about, but I want you to understand the concept and the principle behind what I'm about to share with you because the numbers that I'm about to share with you represent people, represent lives change, represent people coming and experience the love and the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. And so guys, if you don't know this already, we're not even three years old as a church yet. We're like two and a half years. We planted our church on September the 16th of 2018. And it's been a fun journey. And I'll tell you what, it was a lot of fun. It's going to be fun today, but it was a lot of fun last week. Can I share with you just, are you excited? Have I built that up enough for you to go, okay, right, get to the point. What is it, right? All right, I don't want you to just throw a little master's golf tournament clap on these numbers, okay? I want you to give a shout of praise to God. Because of your invite, because of your generosity, because of your love, you guys, on Easter Sunday, 340 people came and experienced the love and the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. How cool is that? That is exciting, but you know what excites me more? It's the lives that were changed. I'm about to share with you a number, and I just believe it deserves a standing ovation and a shout unto God, because it's not to us be the glory, it's to God be the glory. Has nothing to do with this guy who preached on Sunday, because can I tell you, I listened to the message, it wasn't that great, but thank you for your encouragement anyway. <laughs> lives are changed because of who you are, and the way that you've loved people, and the way that you've prayed and worshiped God and invited his presence into this place, because of the presence of God, and because of who you are as a church. You ready for this? Throw your hands together. Give God a shout of praise. You ready? 28 people made decisions for Jesus Christ last Sunday. Come on, if you love that, give God a shout of praise. To God be the glory. We love you. We worship you. We honor you. And we thank you, God, for what you did. Amen. 28 eternities were changed forever. Right. 28 family trees have been changed forever. Yeah. People are experiencing love, hope, joy, peace, salvation, eternity, heaven. Not only for one day, but heaven on earth. And I'm telling you, the word of God teaches us that if one person comes to the Lord, there is a party and a celebration in heaven. And can I tell you... <laughs> When 28 people gave their heart to Christ last week, there wasn't just a party. There was a party like it was off the chain in heaven last week because of what happened at One Life in and through you. And I just want to say thank you so much. All right, you guys, we're getting ready to jump into a new series. It's a two-part series we're calling What's Next? But I want to do this. I want to look into the camera, and I want to welcome our online church family. Come on, One Life Church, throw your hands together. Welcome our online church family with us today. Let them know how much you love them. Hey, you are our family. We love you. We're so thankful you for, that you are along for the ride today. It's going to be good. And so, all right, here's where we are. Anytime somebody makes a decision for Jesus, or whether or not you've been serving the Lord for a long time, or whether or not you just came to Christ this past Sunday, I think it's important for us all to understand, to ask the question, like, now what? Like, what's next? And the fact is, I began to think about that. I was began to prepare this message. I was like, well, that's the question we need to be answering today. Because not only did we have 28 people make decisions for Christ, they need to know what's next. But since January of this year alone, we had over 30 people make decisions for Christ. And honestly, over this past year, we had over 100 people make decisions for Christ. So we're all on what I call a spiritual journey together. And we're at different places along the line of that spiritual journey. 
And by the way, when I use that word spiritual journey, some of you may be thinking today or maybe who are watching online, you're thinking, yeah, I'm not buying into that whole spiritual journey thing. Well, here's the truth. Whether you believe it or not doesn't change the fact that the truth is you and I, my friend, we are on a spiritual journey. In fact, this is, if you open up your worship guide and you looked at the left side of the page, those are your spiritual journey. In fact, that's what this message is all about today. And it's our hope as a church, it's my hope as a pastor to help you understand that God simply has more for your life. He doesn't just want you to suck air, pay taxes and die. No, there is more to living than that. Praise God. And what we've discovered throughout scripture and what I've discovered over serving the Lord for 27 years is that my life, your life, all of our lives will never make sense until we discover what the spiritual journey that God has us on looks like. And that's why I'm going to share the scripture, shared it last week, and it's going to help set the foundation for where we're headed today. Proverbs 29, 18. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, in other words, when you not only discover the fact that God has you on a spiritual journey, but you begin to take a step towards that direction, look at the byproduct, look at the promise. They are most, everybody say that last word out loud, they are most what? Blessed, blessed. And I want your marriage blessed. I want your home blessed. I want your relationships blessed. I want your career blessed. I want your health blessed. I want you blessed in every area of your life. So we do a series like this to help you with some simple next steps along your spiritual journey. I want to help you see clearly, but not only that, I want to help you attend to what God begins to reveal. I want you to experience all that God has for your life. But in order to do that, we've got to help define where we are on the journey that is the spiritual journey that God has for us, we have got to define what's next. So last week, to help set this up, last week I preached the message and I started it off by saying, if I only had one opportunity to bring one last message of hope, that like if it was the last recorded thing that there was ever of Rhett Barden, that was the message that I would bring. And honestly, it was all about the first step in all of our spiritual journeys, and that is two words, to know God. To know God, emphasis on the word no. This word no doesn't mean like no in your mind, no intellectually, no. The word comes from a Greek word called genosko. And when Jesus talked to the people, talked to the crowd, he used this word genosko, show it on the screen, my friend. It means to know intimately. Intimately, really? Yeah, really. Like a husband would know his wife and they would conceive a child together. Kind of know. And this would have blown the minds of the Jewish culture at the day because they were thinking, no, no, God's distant. God's far. I'm down here. He's up there. God doesn't like me. But the truth is, my friends, God not only likes you, he's in love with you and he wants to get up close and personal. He wants a personal relationship with you. And the bottom line of last week's message was this, and that is God isn't looking for a religious duty. He just isn't looking for you to have perfect church attendance. He just isn't looking for you to pray and to read the Bible just to do it out of obligation. No, 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 no. God himself is looking for relationship. He's looking for a relationship. He wants to know you. Now, I'm not preaching last week's message, but it's important that you understand that this is the first step of really honestly what's next for many of us. And maybe if you're joining us online, it's to know God. Now, here's the question that I'm asked a lot by somebody who may have recently made a decision to follow Christ or to surrender their life. And that question is, Rhett, how do I know 
that I know? Like, how do I know that I'm in a personal relationship with God? What does that look like? Now, I want to go ahead and just tell you this up front. If you're visiting for, with us for the first time, I like to have a lot of fun in church. And uh, I'm more like this preacher teacher. And a lot of times I'm preaching messages and I'm just fired up. And I'm fired up today, but I need you to understand something. This message is going to be a lot of teaching. Very practical, very down to earth. And so I want you to understand today, get ready, follow along. If you haven't already done so, go to messagenotesolc.church. Click the button and follow along because I want to teach you something today. We're going to have fun in the process, but let's look at this. How do we know that we know we're in a personal, intimate relationship with God? Well, let's look at Scripture. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. We know that we have come to know him. The word there is gnosko. We've, we know that we've come to know him personally, intimately, if, here it is, we keep his commands. If we keep his commands, which then begs the question, well then, Rhett, what are God's commands? Well, in fact, there was a person who asked Jesus this very same question because he was very intrigued, like, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment in the entire Bible? When Jesus says this in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 through 40, here's my commandment, Jesus replied. I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. What does that mean? It means I want you to invite God into every aspect of your life, your marriage, your home, your driving to work, your driving home. I want you to do life with God. And this is the first and this is the greatest commandment. But Jesus said, I know you only asked me for one, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you what the second one is. Look at this. And the second is like it. And that is love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, all the law and all the prophets hang on these laws or these commandments. And what does that mean? It means that basically the entire Bible is summed up into two statements. Love God and love people. But here's the problem. Many of us don't know what love looks like. And in fact, I think since many of us don't know what love looks like, we should look to the creator of love. Why? Because God is love. And if he is love and he created love, we ought to look to God for the answer of what love looks like. So look at this, John 13, 34 through 35. Jesus clarifies for us what love looks like. Look at this. This is love one another. Okay, got that. What does it look like? As I have loved you. I want you to love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Which begs the question, how did Jesus love us? How did he love us? Not a trick question. He loved us by humbling himself to the point of a servant. Jesus Christ didn't come to be served. Jesus Christ came to serve. And he said, when you serve others the way I've loved you this way, look at this, by this, Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I want to make this statement. Guys, nobody cares how much you know till they know how much you care. In fact, this statement is so true. This is one of the reasons I came up with the vision statement of our church, which is One Life Church. We exist to reach and influence people with the love and life-giving message of Jesus Christ. Why? Because love wins out all the time. Nobody cares how much you know. You could be the smartest person in the room, but nobody cares about that if they don't know that how much you care about them. They don't want to listen. They don't want to listen. And so that's why 1 John 3, 18 through 19, John comes along and says, hey, guys, dear children, like, hey, One Life Church, look at this. Uh, let us not just love with words. Let us just not love with, with our speech, but with what? With action and in truth. 
So in other words, we need to love our spouse. We need to love our friends. We need to love our coworkers. We need to love our boss. We need to love the person who cuts you off in traffic. We need to love our enemies. We need to love people. Why? Why, why, why? We'll look at the rest of the verse. This is how we know. This is how we know that we belong to the truth. This is how we know. It's how we love others. And this is how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. This is how we know. One more verse, 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 8. Look at this. Everyone who loves has been born of God. And Gnosko knows God intimately, everyone who loves. But whoever does not love their spouse, whoever does not love their friends, whoever does not love their coworker, whoever does not love their enemies the way that Christ loved us by serving us, well, here's your answer. You don't know God intimately and personally. Why? Because God is, everybody said this last word out loud, because God is what? He is, he's love. He's love. He is love. Listen, we know that we are in a personal, intimate relationship with God Almighty through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. We know that, how? By how we love others, how we treat others, the things that come out of our mouth about others. Here's the bottom line to everything I'm trying to say here as we get started. You cannot give what you have not received. That's why knowing God is so incredibly important. Not only for you to experience his love, but that so that you can give love. And the problem is, many of us, we've not experienced his love yet. 28 of you made that decision last week. And my hope is you just begin to experience his love and grace from the moment that you surrendered your life to Christ. But there are still many of us, some of us joining us online, you have not experienced God's love. So the name of the series is What's Next? What's next? Well, here it is. What's next? So when it comes to knowing God personally and intimately and wanting to have a relationship with him, we just simply need to surrender our life to Jesus. We need to surrender our life to Jesus. If anybody in this room has ever surrendered their life to Christ and experienced his love, can I hear a good amen this morning? Amen. So, the next question then is, well, then, Rhett, how do I surrender my life to Christ? What does that look like? Well, Scripture clearly tells us, Romans 10, 9. Look at this. Guys, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and he did, and he's not in the tomb, he's alive. We celebrated it last week. What will happen? You, my friend, will be saved. You'll experience life and fulfillment, not only in heaven one day, but life and fulfillment on planet earth. And that's why I want to encourage you. Today, some of you, your next step, your what's next starts with knowing God personally by surrendering your life to Jesus. Now, here's one thing that I've learned through scripture is that there's more to life than just that moment. That is the greatest moment of your life, but there are some next steps that God wants to take us all on. And a journey for our Christian faith, if you read throughout scripture from the book of Acts when the church was first born all the way through Revelation, the next step for every believer, you ready for this, is water baptism. 
It's water baptism. And I'm going to talk more on the end of the service of really what water baptism is. But some of you in this room, you may have said, well, I've already been baptized. I mean, as a kid, I was christened in the Catholic Church. Or maybe I was dedicated as a child unto the Lord. Pastor Red, I mean, like if I get baptized again, won't that kind of disrespect what my family did for me when I was a child or maybe at the first event? And I would say, no, 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 not at all. No, it doesn't, it doesn't dishonor that at all. In fact, it actually confirms your dedication and it actually celebrates your dedication. And why is that? Because what your family did or, or your loved ones did or even your friends may have done for you was that they were saying, you know what? One day as they grow up, I hope that they will choose Christ. And I'm just dedicating them before the Lord in knowing that, man, my hope is as they get older, that their eyes would open, their heart would be able to see clearly who God is, what he's done for them through Jesus, and that they'll make a decision to follow Christ. That's what dedication is all about, by the way. And so the one thing I want you to know about water baptism is this. It's always post-decision. In other words... Water baptism never happened before somebody gave their heart to Christ. Every point in every part of the scripture you read it, it was always surrender your life to Jesus, repent of your sins, and then now follow the Lord's example in water baptism. If you didn't know this, Jesus Christ himself was water baptized by a man named John the Baptist. <laughs> He's John the Baptist. Why? It's like his nickname. Why? Because he baptized people. And so Jesus did this to demonstrate it to us and so it, at, when the church was first born in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, look at this. It says, those who accepted his message, time out. Who, who are we talking about? Is this Christ's message? Who is this? This is Peter. If, uh, Jesus died. He rose again. And about 50 days went by. The day of Pentecost came. And the power of the Holy Spirit showed up, empowered the disciples, and they began to preach. Actually, Peter was the first one recorded as bringing the first message of the resurrection of Christ. So technically, this was the first message after Easter. And so what am I bringing to you today? A message after Easter, right? Look at this. It's those who accepted his message of the good news about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what happened? They were baptized. After the decision to follow Jesus, they were baptized. And they had revived. I mean, 3,000 people got baptized that day. I'm telling you, can you imagine how tired your arm would be? Bam, bam, like, oh, tap out. Like, come on in and help me out, brother, because I just did 10 and I'm done, right? That was a long day, I guarantee it. But I just want to encourage every single one of you to know that maybe, just maybe, today, your next step, your what's next is water baptism. Now, for some of you, you know God. You're in a personal relationship. You've surrendered your life. Maybe you've been water baptized. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But here is the next step for every single one of us, no matter where you are. And that is, look at this. We need to commit to a local life-giving church. Notice I use the word commit and local life-giving church. I had one guy ask me one time, and he wasn't being funny. He was being serious. He said, uh, what type of denomination is a life-giving church? And I was like, it's not a denomination. It's just a church where you go and you feel like, I can breathe here. You know, I feel like I'm getting value added to my life. I feel like I'm just loved and accepted for where I am. And I feel like people, you know, know it's okay for me to not be okay, but they're willing to just walk with me and, and understand that, hey, I've got issues. You got it. Everybody's got issues. We're all walking this thing together. But I just feel as if I can just breathe. That's what I mean by life giving church. And I'm saying we've got to get to the place where we not only attend a local life-giving church, but we commit to a local life-giving church. 
I had one guy, one guy I talked to one time. He said, you know, Pastor, like, I really enjoy your preaching. I think it's great. And so I come here to pre- hear your preaching like one Sunday out of the month. And then I go to another church down the road because I really like their worship. And I, I go there one Sunday out of the month. And then I go to this other church across town one Sunday a month because I really like this program that they do. It's a lot of fun. And then I eventually circle back around to you. So what was he saying? He was saying, I like to date churches. <laughs> That's what he's saying. I like to date like it's a lot of fun, get a little bit of this, get a little bit of that, a lot of fun, right? And so I was like, man, I totally, I, I get it. But I, and I asked him this question. I said, have you ever planted a seed in the ground? He's like, yeah, man. I said, okay, what happens if you plant a seed in the ground, and then the very next day you come up, you dig that seed up, you take it out of that ground, and then you come over here on the other side of wherever, and you plant it again, put dirt on it. But then the next day you're like, yeah, whatever, I'm going to pull that seed up, and then I'm going to come over here, and then I'm going to plant it here for a day, and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to dig that up. What do you think is going to happen to that seed? Absolutely nothing. It ain't going to produce fruit. It's good for what? Nothing. Good for nothing. And God teaches us through his word that our life is like a seed. And we need to be planted. Look at this. Psalm 92, 12 through 13. I love you, church. The righteous will flourish. Your life will thrive. Your life will be fulfilled Those who follow Jesus Christ, look at this, will flourish like a palm tree. You'll grow strong like a cedar of Lebanon when, when you're planted in the house of the Lord. When you're planted in a local life-giving church, your life will flourish. It will thrive. Too many of us are asking the question, why is my life not thriving? I don't know. How many churches are you dating right now? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, the living Bible. You are a member of God's very own family. You, me, we're members of God's own family. And I love this. It goes on to say, and you belong, no matter your past, no matter your present, no matter your pain, no matter your hurt, no matter your wound, you belong in God's household. With who? With every other follower of Christ. With every other Christian. Guys, we're called to find a local life giving church. And when we do, we're called to go all in. Now, let me give you this little disclaimer, because I know what some of you are thinking. Like, oh, well, you're just trying to make us feel guilty. So we'll, we'll, we'll jump into one life church and do your little game that you do here. And that could not be further from the truth. Can I just be honest with you? Like, we love what's happening here. God's doing some amazing things. You are absolutely welcome. We love you. You're welcome anytime. But our only agenda for planting this church was God's best for your life not what's best for my life. And what's best for your life is that you get planted in a local life-giving church. Why? So your life can thrive. Now, God's doing some cool things here, but guess what? God's doing some great things at other great churches in this valley. Like, we're not the only thing in this valley. In fact, I got like five pastors right now on speed dial. I actually texted three of them this morning. I was like, bro, I'm praying for you. Guys right here in Nampa, Meridian, and Boise. Oh my God's praying for you, man. Just believing God's gonna do great things to you, man. Love you, got your back. See, when God called me here, he called me not to just, just, just have an agenda of our church. No, 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 but to have an agenda of the capital C church. And so my goal is, and you'll hear me have this conversation with you if we ever have a one-on-one. You're like, well, I'm just praying and trying to find home. Listen, I get it. There's a season where we're all trying to find that next step of where that looks like. And there is that season of just trying to figure out what's next. But at some point, that season needs to come to an end. And you need to find a place where you can get committed so that you can grow so that you can thrive, so that you can be fulfilled, because it's not going to happen any other way. 
I didn't come up with this. I didn't write this. This is God's word. I'm trying to help somebody along their spiritual journey today to help you grow. Every single one of us need this. Why? Because we all need a place where we can do number two of what's next. And that is, we all need a place where we can find some freedom. Everybody say freedom. freedom. Come on, say it like an American. Freedom! Freedom! Like Mel Gibson, freedom! Freedom. <laughs> find freedom. I want to bring some truth to you today that I hope will help um, set some of you free. The truth is you can know God personally. You can know God intimately and have a relationship with him, but yet still be struggling with some things. Like you can still have some issues. Why is that? It's because, guys, we are a triune being. Do you know what that means? It means we've got three parts that make us. we got a spirit. That's the part that gets saved when we surrender our life to Jesus. Our sins are forgiven. We're going to heaven. It's amazing. Life is being fulfilled. But our spirit, we have a soul. This is what our mind, our will, our emotions, and that soul lives in a body, right? And so what's happened over time before Christ is that we've gotten used to eating some foods, having some bad habits, looking at things we shouldn't be looking at, having cravings and desires, that all of a sudden, here, here is the truth. Once you get saved, those cravings and desires don't leave, everybody. Why? Because you're still stuck in this body, dealing with your mind, your will, and emotions. There is a process to freedom. There is a process to heal. It's not. I'm still on the journey myself. Now, here's the thing I need you to understand, is that the process for healing that God has for each and every one of you, including the person who's preaching to you today, the process is people. The process is people. Well, people hurt me. I mean, I don't want to deal with people because they're the problem of the pain. I get it. I understand. I didn't write it. God said it. People are the process for healing. Let me show it to you. It's just not my word. James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to who? To who? To God? No. Confess your sins to who? To each other. Now, time out. Do not misquote me. Do not sound bite me. Okay? Hear what I'm saying. You go to God for forgiveness. God is the only person who can forgive sins, past, present, and future, by the blood of Jesus Christ, the one and only Son. No person on this planet can do that. It's only God. He's the person who forgives our sin. However, if you want some healing in your life, if you want to find some freedom in your life, then you need to have some people in your life looking at each other to where you can go, you know what, I am struggling with this. I'm wanting to look at porn right now. I know I shouldn't do that. I know you've gone through that and how you got some freedom. Can you help me right now with that? Because I'm struggling and you confess that to somebody else. You got gathered together and go, brother, I've got your back. I love you. I'm for you. God's got a plan. We're going to get through this together one day at a time, one life at a time. Grab hands. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you help my brother, give him wisdom, give him clarity, give him peace, give him strength. Help him right now in the name of Jesus. And guess what happens? When that happens, a miracle takes place, a transformation happens in a soul, and you will, may, it's going to happen, be healed. That's a great place to say amen in this Baptist church this morning. If you're like, well, Rhett, you got something against a Baptist? No, I grew up Baptist. Bam. My grandmother, I swear, this is not in my notes. My grandmother used to say, Ray, you just need to find yourself a good Baptist church. <laughs> when I gave my heart to Christ. And uh, nothing wrong with Baptist church, they're great. But like, anyway, that has nothing to do with today. <laughs> God's system for resolving issues is people. See, too many of you always think, oh, it's just me and Jesus, man. It's just me and Jesus. I don't need anybody else. I'm good. 
You do your little thing, you do your little thing. It's just me and Jesus. Hashtag me and Jesus. Here's the problem with that. It's not in scripture. It's me plus Jesus plus life-giving relationships equals healing. Me plus Jesus plus life-giving relationships. You don't want just some fool in your life. No, you want some life-giving people who've got your back, who say, I'm in this with you, brother. Let's do that. You, Jesus, life-giving people equals healing. Healing. And that's why your next step, for many of you in this room, including myself, is small groups. You need to join a small group. Where are all my small group people at? Come on, throw your hands together, small group people. Life change happens in relationships. You were not meant to do life alone. You were meant to do life together. I need a group. You need a group. We all need a group. Just trying to help you take some next steps today. First one is the knowing God, surrendering your life to Jesus, repenting, being baptized, having a public declaration of our faith, joining and committing to a local life-giving church at some point along the journey. Finding freedom through life change that happens in small groups. And here's number three. It's time for some of us to discover our purpose. Discover our purpose. Ready saying that there's a reason for me that I was born? Yes. It wasn't just to breathe air, pay taxes, and die. No, there was so much more to living. Look at this, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we, that's you, that's me, we are God's masterpiece. My friends, you were created in the image of God, handcrafted, handcrafted as a masterpiece by the creator of the heavens and the earth. And not only did he create you, he created you anew in Christ Jesus. I love that word anew. It means new. The old is gone and the new has come. How? Through the power of the resurrection on the blood of Jesus Christ. How? Through the power and the blood and the power and the blood because of the power and the blood of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Not from good thinking, not from goodwill. No, we were created by God anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So we can do good things. But not only good things, but the things that he planned for us long ago. Now, I don't want you to miss this. Think about this for a second. What is it saying? It's saying, God had something for you to do long ago. Then he created you. This is amazing when you begin to discover this truth of this journey. It will change your life. My friend, you were created on purpose for a purpose. And when you discover your purpose, it will reveal your destiny. The way that I say it is that your design, it just reveals your destiny. It reveals your purpose. And so our hope is to help you take a next step of doing what? Of completing our Discover class. What is the Discover class? There's nothing magical to it. It's just me teaching you what it looks like to take a next step to join a local life-giving church or what it looks like here if you wanted to do that. But it also is a great place to take a next step. We do a spiritual gift survey. We do a personality profile. And you all of a sudden, you just begin to discover the things that God created you. You begin to realize the truth of this verse out of 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Look at this. That God has given you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. He's given you gifts. He's given you abilities. Some of you, when you walk into a room, you don't know why, but like if a chair is out of order or out of line, you're like, mm, that chair is driving me nuts. I need to put it in place. Or if there's a picture on the wall and it's slightly crooked, you're like, 
Ooh, that's about to blow my mind. I need to go and bump, right, and just adjust that. You know what that is? That's a gift of helps. Some of you, when you walk into a room, you see a person sitting all alone. You're like, oh, they're sitting by themselves. And the introverted person sitting alone is like, thank God I'm alone. But the other person, oh, they shouldn't be alone. So the extrovert person walks over, right? It's like, oh, what's your name? Oh, it's so good to have you. We're so glad you're here. What is that? It's a gift of mercy. Some of you have gift for details. Like, you know, if it's not like dot zero zero one two three, and you're like, no, 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 it's dot zero zero one two two. And you know why you're that way, but you're that way. Why? Because God created you that way. Some of you have a gift with kids. Like you walk into a room and like, oh my God, you're the coolest thing ever. Like they do with Shane, who's sitting on the front row when he's serving your kids in kids' life. <laughs> pastor Rhett walks in the room like, hey, Pastor, we just saying hey to you because you're pastor, but we want to go hang out with Shane, right? Why? Because Shane's got a gift with kids. I love kids. I love my kid. I love your kids from a distance, okay? No, I'm just kidding. Can you say that as a pastor? I do. You just don't want me in a room with them. I mean, hair, teeth, and eyeballs, duct tape, chairs, sit, be quiet. <laughs> Sorry. First service didn't get any of this, by the way. I'm on a roll right now. I'm just saying, please, we'll edit that out of the podcast, okay? <laughs> I'm just being human today. <laughs> Some of you have a gift to stand on a stage and a platform. You're like, man, it'd be the coolest thing if I could ever just get up there and sing or play. And, and you're not, not out of pride, but you just got, you're gifted by God to do a certain, you're wired a certain way. Other people are like, I don't put me, don't put a microphone near me. I don't even want to walk near the front row. You know, I don't want to be near it. I don't these cameras everywhere, right? I don't want that. Like I have a grace gift to stand here and speak. Not because I think I'm the great, no, I just, it doesn't bother me. Why? Because God's given me a grace gift to do it. God's given you a grace gift to do something. That design will reveal your destiny. We all have different gifts and it's important to discover it. Why? Because look at the rest of the verse. Because we have a responsibility. There you go, bud. What's our responsibility? It's to manage them. But no, 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 no. Not just to manage them, but to manage them well. Why? So that God's generosity can flow through you. God God expects this, by the way. Like this is just an expectation that he has. Surrender your life to Jesus. Water baptized. Get a part of a family. Start to discover your design. Why? So that God's generosity can flow through you. God designed you so that his goodness, his kindness, his love can flow through your hands and your feet in a very practical, life-giving way. Which ultimately leads us to the fourth step in our spiritual journey. And that is the greatest level of living. And we say it this way, to make a difference. To make a difference. A lot of you are looking for joy in this room. But the problem is a lot of us are looking for it in the wrong places. In fact, joy, real joy, complete joy, abundant joy, fulfillment of joy doesn't come from going to the Oregon coast. Doesn't come from spending two weeks at Disneyland. Doesn't come from camping. As beautiful as all these things are, real joy, everlasting joy, complete joy, nothing wrong with those things. But if you're looking for real joy, you're not going to find it in a new career. You're not going to find it in a little bit more money in a paycheck. You're not going to find it in a new car. You're not going to find it watching the Masters online this morning. Because you're not doing that. You're joining with us, right, church? No, 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 no. Real joy comes from transcendent living. 
non-Christian sociologists and scientists have put a word on God's design unknowingly to them. They call it transcendent. They say, there's no higher living than living your life or having a life that goes beyond your life. There's no higher living than when your life touches the soul of another human being. They say it's the greatest height. It's the greatest fulfillment. You'll never find another higher fulfillment than making a difference with your life. Non-Christian sociologists say this. They're just identifying what God has been teaching us from the beginning of time. That we are called by God to live by design on purpose for a purpose. And that purpose is to make a difference with your life. So how do we do that here? What would be your next step here if you wanted to be a part of this family? Well, what's next is join the dream team. What's the dream team? What is that? Is that some basketball team in the 90s? Like, what, what is that? <laughs> the dream team, we don't use the word volunteer around here, by the way. Volunteer is like a bad word. We don't say it. Why? Because this is what volunteer means, to me at least. It means that, hey, we need you to go sign up for something that we know you don't really want to do, but because you're a part of the church and committed, will you go out and sign that sheet in the lobby so you can give up like two or three days of your week to do something you don't want to do, but you'll do it because you like us and you don't want to make, you know, you know, you don't want to look bad in front of us, so we're going to put a little bit of pressure on you to do it. At least that was the church I grew up in. I don't know about you, but... And so, no, 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 I never dreamed of creating a church full of volunteers. No, I dreamed of creating a church coming alongside men and women, helping them discover their purpose, helping them discover their God-given design and empower them to live out that dream in a community, making a difference with their life because there's no greater level of living for that human to touch another soul of another human being, to make a difference. I want people living the dream, man, living the dream for God. Doing what God created them to do. I've had people ask me all the time, hey, Pastor, what do you want me to do? I'm like, I don't know. You tell me, what do you want to do? What do you love? What do you like? What's your passion? What's your interest? Yeah, 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 let's do that. I'll get behind you. Yeah, that, that's awesome. We'll support that. That's what you were created to do. That's what the dream team is. It's men and women of God who have discovered this. They've gone through Discover class. They've gotten on a team. And can I just tell you, I'm not preaching this message because we need you on a team. Now, are we better with you on the team? 100%. Absolutely. Are there a lot of places and opportunity? Absolutely. Because I shared earlier, 340 people, that's amazing. But my friends, there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people who are dying every day, going to hell, separated because they do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There are more people for us to reach in this community, in the Treasure Valley, in this state, in the Pacific Northwest, in this nation, and around the world. And I don't know about you, but God didn't call me to do it by myself. God didn't call you to do it by yourself. God called us to collectively come together, discover our design, and live in our strengths to make a difference for Jesus Christ around the world. The dream team is not about what I get out of it. It's about what you get out of it. It's not about what I gain. It's about what you gain. Really? Yeah. Let me show it to you. Jesus said this, John 15, verse 8 and 11. Guys, this is Jesus Christ, God's one and only son, the savior of the world who died and rose again, speaking life, speaking hope, and showing you the way to life. This is what he said. Guys, making a difference with your life, this is to my Father's glory. It's to my Father's glory. Not your glory, not my glory, not a church's glory, but God's glory. That you do what? Bear much fruit. What does it mean? That you make a difference with your life. How? Showing yourselves to be on my team. Showing yourselves to be in my family, Jesus says. Being my disciples. Being on the dream team. Being in a family. Making a difference with your life. Why? 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 
Jesus, why? Look at the rest of the verse. Jesus said, guys, I'm telling you this so that my joy may be in you. Time out. Did you see that? That my joy. I know I didn't highlight the word my, but you need to understand that my joy. Jesus said, hey, I'm telling you this so that my joy, the Savior of the world, God's one and only Son, the Redeemer of all mankind, who brings hope and life. Jesus Christ is saying, I'm telling you so that my joy may be in you. And that, you ready for this? That your joy may be complete. Complete. Whole. Full. Jesus, what are you saying? Guys, he's basically saying that you're never going to truly experience the fullness of joy apart from making a difference with your life. It's not going to happen. If Jesus were standing here today, he would say, guys, I want you to experience joy. I just surrender your life to me. Come, let's do life together. Will you be my hands and be my feet? Can we make a difference together in this next generation? I gave you the gift to teach. I gave you the grace gift with kids. I gave you these things so that you can create an atmosphere for kids to experience my love, to experience my kindness, so they can understand that I've created them on purpose for a purpose, so they can make a difference with their life and so that their families can be blessed, so they can experience healing and that they can help other people. I've created you this way. And guys, if you don't do it, then who will? Guys, if you don't do it, Jesus is saying, who will? I need people to be my hands and my feet, and I created you this way so that you could experience my joy. Many of us keep asking God for joy. God, give me joy. God, I want to experience your fulfillment. I want to experience all that you have, God. I just want to be close to you. And Jesus is simply saying, guys, my joy, my fulfillment only comes complete in your life when you're no longer serving yourself and you begin to serve others. There's more to life than this life. The culture sucks you into you, me, myself, and I. But God's way is different. It's others, others others we together not about me it's about you and there's a miracle that happens it's that your joy the thing that you've been looking for the fulfillment that you're trying to fill in every other void in your life through whatever it might be you know what it is you're not going to find it anywhere outside of knowing God finding freedom discovering purpose and making a difference with your life knowing God finding freedom discovering purpose making a difference in your life you're not going to find true joy true love apart from coming into a relationship with God finding freedom from your past your hurts your wounds inviting other people in the process understanding your design so that you can live that out making a difference in the life of another human being why it's selfish because the joy that you experience Christ's joy would be made complete in you. So today, I couldn't think of a better way to end this message than to give every single one of us an opportunity to really start at this first step of the journey, which is coming to know God. It's surrendering our life to Jesus Christ. But more than that, it's also, once we do that, to take a next step of water baptism. Water baptism. I know I mentioned it earlier, and I told you how to close with this, and this is what we're going to do. Why is baptism so important? Well, I could share a lot of scriptures with you, but let me just tell you what Jesus said. Well, that suffice, Matthew 28, 19. Jesus said, guys, therefore, go make disciples of all nations. In other words, what is he saying? Go and help people come to know God and to know the relationship and the intimacy they can have through God through me. And when you come into a relationship, when they take that step, then help them with the next step, which is baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
This word baptized, what does it mean? It's a Greek word, comes from baptizo, which simply means to fully submerge and then to bring them back out of the water. We're not gonna leave you there, I promise. But to fully submerge, Jesus. Can I just tell you that Jesus himself was baptized and we're called to follow his example. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Well, we follow Christ, how? By water baptism. But here's a question. It's like, what does it represent? Really, is it that important? Well, look at this. 1 Peter 3, 21. In baptism, we show what? It's a symbol. We show that we have been saved from death and doom by the resurrection of Christ. But no, 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 not because our bodies are washed clean by the water in the baptism tank. No, it's just a symbol. But because in being baptized, we're turning to God and we're asking him to cleanse our hearts from sin. I need you to understand this. Baptism is not about the water. It's about what it represents. There ain't nothing holy about that water, y'all. It's just good old Idahoan water and it's nice and it's warm and it's toasty. It feels good. It's like, ooh, it's like a little spa. It's great. It's not about the water. It's about what it represents. So I want to encourage you. Some of you are in this room. You've made decisions this past year. You made decisions on Sunday, this past Sunday. And I want to tell you, it's time to take a step. But here's the thing. Anytime I challenge people or try to give them an opportunity to take a next step, I already kind of know what you're thinking. You're like, I didn't come prepared. You know, I didn't register. I know you told me to register. So, I, you know, I'm not getting in like this because I paid, you know, whatever I paid for my outfit, right? It's kind of what some of you are thinking. Well, I knew you were thinking that. And because I knew you were thinking that, we went ahead and bought every short size in black, every size you can imagine. We have tons. We have plenty. We have the same with every shirt, every shirt size that you could possibly imagine. And they're all black. Why? Because we're going to be holy around here, y'all. It's okay to laugh in church, everybody. Church should be enjoyed, not endured. Not only do we have shorts and shirts, guess what? We got the unmentionables. You know, the things that I shouldn't even mention. Like we got all that stuff. We have everything you need except for a hairdryer. Sorry, we don't have a hairdryer. So you might leave here a little bit wet. And when somebody asks you, like, man, you're all dressed up with a wet hair. Like, what happened, man? I gave my life to Jesus. Woo, I went public with my faith. Some of you are thinking, well, COVID. I'm not getting in that tub. What if they got COVID? Well, you know, we thought of that too. So we bought a special baptism that has an ozone purification system in it which kills 99.9% of all bacteria. I thought that'd be a great place to say, whoo, that's awesome. Constantly purifies. So every time somebody gets in it, the water is constantly purified. It's got a filter on it. Just trying to help you take a next step, remove some barriers. Well, well, uh, I, I mean, you know, Pastor, social distancing, please don't touch me. So because I don't want you to touch me, I can't get baptized because, you know, you got to have a pastor to dunk you and bring you back up. No, 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 no. Show me scripture and verse where that exists. It doesn't. It says be baptized. So I'll stand out of the way. I'll let you walk in the tub and I'll say in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, I baptize you. And then you just lean back and then you lean up. What is baptism? Water baptism is a public declaration of my faith in Jesus Christ. This is what it is. It's the wedding band of Christianity. You know, the wedding band, I don't know where it, when it started or the tradition behind it, but this wedding ring, whether I wear it or not, doesn't change the fact that I'm married to this smoking hot, beautiful woman on the front row. Her name is Linda. But what does it represent? 
it represents that I'm committed and that you can't have this. I'm not saying you want it. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm committed. So as water baptism say, it says, I'm committed. I'm married to Jesus Christ. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. I'm going all in. I've surrendered everything. And my joy is complete because I'm committed to Christ. Woo! That's what water baptism is. That's what it is. Some of you are thinking, well, Pastor Red, I mean, you know, you've almost got me convinced, but my faith, my faith is private. Here's the problem with that statement. The problem with that statement is that there's nowhere in the Bible that says your faith should be private. In fact, every scripture that I can read shows that your faith should go public. In fact, Jesus himself even addressed it. Look at this, Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 through 33. Whoever acknowledges me before others, Christ says, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But wait, 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 wait. That's great if it ended there. But guys, there's another Rest, there's the rest of the verse. A lot of pastors tend to skip over it, but I don't want to skip over it because Christ himself spoke this. You need to understand. Look at the rest of the verse. But whoever disowns me before others. In other words, if you think that Christianity is just between you and Jesus, nobody else and nobody ever knows that your life has been changed and you're keeping your faith private, well, Jesus, I will disown you before my Father in heaven. Going public is important. Now your moment with Christ when you give your heart to Jesus, that is private. But there is a moment where it needs to go public in every area, in every one of our lives. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, close to this verse, last verse. We need to do what Peter said after the resurrection of Jesus Christ when he stood before thousands and they asked the same question. What was it? Look at this, Acts 2, 38. Peter replied, here's your next step. Repent and be baptized. Who? Every one of you. Myself. Repent. That's a bad word in our culture today, isn't it? We have a misunderstanding of the truth of that word. You know what it simply means? It means, God, I was headed this way. I was doing life my own way. But then I recognized that I'm never going to experience joy that way. Frustration, hurt, and pain only continue to lie before me. But I'm just going to turn. <laughs> God, I repent. I'm sorry. Forgive me and change me. I want to do life with you. I want to experience the joy of salvation. I want to experience completeness and fullness and the hope that is you having 100% control of my life. I give you my life. That's what repent means. But not only do we repent, look at the next step for every believer, every believer, and be baptized, every one of you. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. We'll be here just another three or four minutes. Some of you are here today and you know that you were distant from God. Like your relationship with God is non-existent. Some of you had one at one time, but for whatever reason, you've walked away. Some of you have never made that decision today. And you know today something's tugging at your heart. And you know that you need to repent of your sins. You need to course correct. You need to change directions. You need to ask God for forgiveness so that you can experience the freedom, the fulfillment, the hope, the healing, and the joy that comes from having your past, present, and future sins forgiven through Christ. And the good news is you're only one heartfelt prayer away from experiencing that. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, 
I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I promise I will not embarrass you in any way. I love you and I am for you. But if you're here today and you're like, Pastor Ed, I want to repent. I want to repent of my sins and I want to make Christ my Lord, my Savior, and I want to change and course correct directions. If that's you today, today is the day. Now is the time. Raise your hand all across the room. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody's looking around. If that's you, God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. If that's you today, come on, one more moment. Don't miss this opportunity. It's the greatest decision of your entire life right now in this moment. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Would everybody say a prayer like this? Say, Jesus, I need you. I can't live without you. Today, I surrender my life to you. I give you everything. I believe you are the son of God, that you died and you rose again to pay for my sin. Forgive me, change me, transform me. Today, I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you. Now pray this, say, Holy Spirit, I receive you and I ask you to empower me to make a difference. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Hey, listen to me, if you just made that decision, this is, this is crucial. You have a next step, you just heard it. It's water baptism. Every single one of us. Some of you made the decision and never been water baptized. Some of you have made the decision, but it wasn't like significant for you. Maybe it was just like this religious duty, but you're like, you know what? I'm in a relationship with Christ now. I know he's, I know what's happening and I wanna go public again with my faith. Whoever you are, wherever you are, that is your next step today as a follower of Jesus Christ. And so I wanna invite you to be a part of that. I wanna draw your attention to your connection card. One, one more moment, that connection card is so important. I wanna get some next steps in your hand. Would you be so kind to fill out that card and let us know you made the decision or maybe you're a guest today. Would you let us know you're here today, maybe for the first time. Here's what's gonna happen, hassle-free guarantee. I'm not gonna call you. Nobody's gonna show up at your house. We're not gonna bother you. That's not gonna happen here, I promise. But all we would simply like to do is send you one email with some simple next steps and that's it. Hey guys, we had some decisions for Jesus today. Can we throw our hands together and celebrate right now in this moment? Come on, how incredible is that?